Grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to the Apostle John, as recorded in chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger into the mark of the nails, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the main thing I want you to get out of this text whenever you read it is Thomas needed scientific proof. And Jesus let him apply the scientific method. He literally got to stick his finger in the nail holes and his hand in the side where the pierce had stabbed Jesus. Thomas had undeniable scientific proof that Jesus has risen. And that's important for you. See, Thomas isn't the only one. Jesus had appeared to the women at the grave. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to the Emmaus disciples and walked with them. And he had all of this recorded. In a court of law, if the Romans had brought everybody in in those 40 days that Jesus appeared before he ascended, they would have to admit the evidence is too strong. Ah, but today we know better because that's been 2,000 years ago. Again, people claim like a mass psychosis where the disciples wanted it so bad that they just imagined they saw Jesus. Huh? Ah, Thomas, for you, for your faith, got to stick his hand into those holes. So the important thing you want to get whenever you hear this text is it's undeniable Jesus rose. And in fact, it's undeniable that Jesus existed because they found some years, many years ago, a document that was sent by Pilate back to Rome talking about how he had to crucify this Jesus of Nazareth. So you can't deny this Jesus of Nazareth existed. You can't deny that he was crucified. You can't deny that he rose again. Pilate had managed to leave that one out of that document. But there was just too much evidence. That's been 2,000 years ago. Now we've got to depend on things. Maybe those people just didn't know better. Don't you ever wish that Jesus would just appear to you? Oh, there we go, Lord. Now I've seen you. Now I'm absolutely confident my grandmother's in heaven and I'm going to heaven. Wouldn't it be nice if he would individually appear to you? 
But you know, there are many people who, once they think they've seen something, they think they can do miracles, then they turn around and a lot of it is because we're blessed to have very individual freedom in America to say, now I know and I can do whatever I please, as if everything is highly individual to them and nothing else matters. But it was the community of believers Jesus used to testify to us, and we're a community. So today as we look at our text, we're going to see salvation in Christ is highly individual and highly communal. And we're going to look at Thomas first to see it's highly individual as seen in Thomas. The other guys had told Thomas, we've seen the risen Lord. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling them, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Thomas insisted he had to have the scientific method to be able to know Jesus had risen. And individually... Yes, Jesus had shown the other disciples the holes, but with Thomas, go ahead, do it. Now stop doubting and believe, Thomas. See, the scientific method isn't faith. That's just the principles of this world at work. Faith is believing what we cannot see and being certain of what we hope for. If Thomas had died in this state before Jesus appeared, I always wonder... Would he have believed that Jesus was the Messiah? He definitely didn't believe that he'd raised from the grave at this point. Jesus privately came to him, but that was so that Thomas himself would individually believe. I think about that because the disciples, the other disciples, they see it. They knew it. Thomas refused to believe. I was raised by Christian parents, and I'm absolutely convinced by the scriptures that's because that was God's plan of predestination. But you know, my parents' faith could not put me in heaven at all. Period. End of discussion. They could share their faith. They could raise me in the faith. But I'm the one who has to believe. And the same is true of you. You're the one who has to believe. When you believe, heaven is yours. But that faith isn't something that comes from finding a power within us. It's the Holy Spirit giving birth to a new person in you according to God's plan. Before God said, let there be light, God made sure you would encounter the word and that the word that Jesus had risen would come into your heart. And so I've often been jealous. Why can't you just appear to me, Lord? But Jesus continues after Thomas comes that confession, my Lord and my God. He gets this. Yes, this is now the Savior. This is truly the God man, just as he claimed. Jesus said to him in verse 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You don't need to have Jesus appear before you and say, dig your finger into my palms, stick your hand into my side, because Jesus had it written in the Word, and He has had someone share that Word with you. You own the Word, but copies of the Bible, you can read it. And isn't that interesting? You're more blessed than Thomas. Because God has given you faith without that scientific evidence. He gave you faith to know He gave the evidence to Thomas and the other disciples And he's used that message to enter your heart that even though it's been nearly 2,000 years ago, you're confident that God took on human flesh, lived, died, and rose for you and is your Savior. 
And so we're told in verse 30, Jesus in the presence of his disciples did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The you here is plural. He's talking to all Christians. But the you here is specifically meant for you. You hear the scriptures, you hear the miracles, and you know nearly 2,000 years later, as I've said, God became a man and is your savior. Salvation in Christ is highly individual and highly communal. Highly individual is seen in Thomas since each one of us must believe for ourselves. God has custom fit the life for you and has custom fit your hearing that message for you so that you have the new man and that you are connected to Christ and you are saved. Now, when I talk about our own understandings, the word of God has many applications. We're not allowed to have our own, our, our own teachings of the scripture. Either we're teaching the truth of the word or not. But in our understandings of the scriptures, we're able to apply that to our neighbor. And we have our own unique experiences in which we have seen God at work. And crosses are predominantly by scriptures when you're persecuted for being a Christian. But we've all had our own unique hardships that have tested our faith and we've come out stronger because of them. And we have our own unique natural gifts and our own unique spiritual gifts. And so we have our own unique ability to apply those keys to bind and loose sin, to share the good news of salvation in Christ. As an example of what I'm talking about, when I served in Burke, South Dakota, I had a lot of members that were in their 90s that had even gotten married and saw that first dust cloud coming in the Dust Bowl days of the dirty 30s, who saw the grasshopper plagues coming. And it was amazing how they would share those experiences. I wish I had brought my digital voice recorder with me all the time and just always had it recording but, so I could have those stories, but then I wouldn't have been able to give them confidentiality either. But I remember I used to have a service at Silver Threads in Gregory, and I had many, member, many people came that weren't even members of, of my church, but we were, they were talking about those days and, uh, and the grasshopper plagues and everything else. And, and I asked them a question. I said... You know, you're only getting a couple of stalks of corn growing. What did you eat? And I said, you know, Pastor, those grasshopper plagues that were devouring everything, we had chickens, and the chickens lived off those grasshoppers. They were good and fat, and yeah, we ate a lot of chicken. I remember him telling me about eating chicken instead of turkey for Thanksgiving. And another man piped in, and he said, you could run up to a fence post, and you could run your hand up, and your hand would be coated in grasshoppers. You'd stick your hook on it and throw it in the river, and you'd catch fish. They would share those stories. It was difficult times, but it made them close in their family. It made them thankful for the pair of socks they got for Christmas. And it made them rejoice to see. And they would tell me that. They told more than one of them said it that day at that service. And I heard my members and many times when they talked about it tell me, the Lord always took care of us. See, you have your own understandings and experiences and crosses and unique gifts. And you have your own ability to empathize with your neighbor and your family and friends. And so you are highly individual in your faith. And although you believe in the word of God and its truth and purity, that you're a unique person that God uniquely uses to tell others of salvation in Christ. And to use the binding key when they're unrepentant for sin, but to use the loosing key to let them know in Christ their sins are forgiven. Now, in verse 29, Jesus said to them, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Yes, 
Jesus individually appeared to Thomas, but his appearance to Thomas was not meant for Thomas and Thomas alone. It was meant to serve the whole body of Christ so that until the day he returns, we can always hear that and say, Jesus rose. This was not a mass psychosis as some Christians want to claim. And you go, why do you believe in the word of God if you're going to start monkeying with it like that? Thomas knew that was the risen Lord standing before him. So while it was for Thomas, it was for you and I and for the whole body of Christ. So we see salvation in Christ is highly individual and highly communal. And we see it's highly communal as seen in his appearance to the ten disciples. On the evening of the first day of the week, the disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Just as the father has sent me, I'm also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Isn't it interesting how Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you? They had fled from Jesus. Peace be with you. They were sinners. Would God the Father be angry with them? Nope, you're at peace with God. Jesus would be telling them, I've earned your forgiveness. They didn't need to be afraid that they were seeing a ghost or retribution from Jesus And in fact, as we read in our first lesson in Acts, they would have peace when they were hauled before the Sanhedrin, knowing the worst the Sanhedrin could do is take their lives. But if God allowed them to do that, it was his plan to take them to heaven. And when Peter and John receive a beating by the Sanhedrin because they would not deny that Jesus had risen, they actually had peace. They actually rejoiced that they were found worthy of bearing a cross for the Lord. They would have peace in those early days as a congregation when they lived in Jerusalem, when the very people who wanted to destroy them were were right there in the same capital city. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we too must live in peace. And as we were talking in Bible study today, actions speak louder than words. I've heard a theologian of a different synod put it in a different way. Doctrine is practice and practice is doctrine. We want when people come to visit us, we don't want them to see a church that's fighting constantly, arguing over things, each individual saying, this is what I want. Now, we never want peace at the expense of God's word. Too many Christian denominations that totally have different doctrines have agreed to disagree. That's not peace. Peace comes from the word of God and then we live it. People should say that is a peaceful congregation that lives out forgiveness. And so how could we possibly have this peace? That is unnatural to human beings. Human beings can't live at peace. Do you know how many wars we've been in as a country since I was born? It's supernatural. And that's one of the reasons why in verse 22, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we get to promote that peace because we all share in proclaiming salvation in Christ. The disciples would need that peace to proclaim it. And as we live in a world today where we have to fear, if I say something to a co-worker, I can lose my job. We have to have that peace to proclaim Christ as well. So Jesus sent them out. He says, just as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. Now, all too often we can get confused. It wasn't Thomas who alone was sent out to proclaim the Lord had risen. 
It wasn't Peter, as some Christians confusedly think, that was supposed to be the big guy that does everything. Remember, the first people to proclaim the risen Lord were the women who were on their way to the tomb. It's for all of us to proclaim. I have to tell you, I've seen this work very well in two different congregations, but I want to use my vicar congregation. They were a very small church. And it was very interesting how often they would come up to me, and then I was vicar, they'd say, Vicar, I have a family member, I have a neighbor, I have a friend, I've been working on them, they have some questions, and, and I haven't quite had the time in the Word of God that you've been blessed to, to spend through our, our called worker training system. Would you mind visiting them? Do you know how often people ended up joining that church in Roscommon, Michigan, because a member was already working on them, and they already line, they'd line it up so that the person was actually expecting me. Yeah, tell them to write their questions down. We all share in proclaiming salvation in Christ. This doesn't fall on one person. It's highly communal. And all the disciples and everybody who'd seen the risen Lord would share that. And that means, brothers and sisters in Christ, to have that peace and to share in that proclamation, we are family. We're the body of Christ. And we must look out for each other. We especially see the opposite of that in the epistle to the Corinthians. You see, in those days, if you were a pagan and you, for example, wanted to know if it was going to be a good year to plant wheat or if you should plant something else instead, you would take a chicken and you would go to the pagan temple and they would gut that chicken open and they would read its guts to tell you. What do you do with the rest of the chicken? Well, if you already have chicken for dinner that night, they didn't have refrigeration. There was a butcher right there. The, the chicken got sold to it. Somebody would come along 10 minutes, 2 hours, and they'd have fresh meat to buy. Well, the mature Christians knew it was okay, even though part of that bowl or whatever had been offered to Zeus, to buy those T-bone steaks from the butcher. But others say, three weeks ago, I had taken a chicken to the soothsayer. Now you're offering me, now you've invited me over to dinner and after I've ate, you've told me this animal was used for that? Am I going to hell? And it was, and they were concerned. Now the mature Christians knew better, but Paul has to tell them, you're the mature Christians. Look out for your weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. But the same hand, weaker brothers and sisters in Christ aren't allowed to say, I'm weak, so you have to just give me my way. We must look out for each other. We are the body of Christ. And some of the ways in, in which I've seen that people forget to look out for each other in various congregations are, are just the members who are falling away from the faith who've quit coming to worship. It's sad when you, you hear, for example, well, so-and-so hasn't been here for five years, let's remove them. Has anybody visited them? No. We look out for each other. Yeah, sometimes it's a little inconvenient, but let's, let's knock on the doors. And, and so it should be a point where it's like, we've all been working on these people and... and, and we know they're just fallen from the faith. They're not going to be members. We've tried so hard and we've been praying for them. Or right, take communion. You know the right teaching on communion, but isn't it easy to visit a church that you know doesn't quite teach the same in fellowship with us to say, what does it matter? I know better. I'll take communion at this church. Paul, in that same letter, uh, talks about how you can actually, if you're going to those idol feasts, and then you come and take communion with your brothers and sisters in Christ because there's one loaf, you can be uniting the body of Christ with demons. When I was confirmed, I was uh, formerly a member of a different denomination. The, the church had a lot of problem with people belonging to a religious lodge. And that religious lodge clearly taught work righteousness. 
And my catechist pastor had taught us clearly that you shouldn't take communion with people like that. And yet the sec- the, after Confirmation Sunday, the next communion Sunday, is usher up to him, and he was a brother in Christ. But as I sat next to, knelt next to him in the communion rail, I knew the night before he had been to a religious ceremony at the Elks Lodge. It bothered and haunted my conscience. Sunday after Sunday that we took communion, year after year, until I left. Sometimes we think, well, I've got it right, so I can do what I please. And we're just like those people who were eating meat sacrificed to idol. They weren't thinking about the others. And yes, we do. When we take the Lord's Supper, we are united. And so we've got to look out for each other. And that means we take care of each other in our weaknesses and in our strengths as well. It's not up to the individual. It's up to us looking out for each other. But brothers and sisters in Christ, when we truly get the word of God right, and we have to study the word of God to do that, because we're all sinners, then that same word unites us. It gives us the peace, it gives us the forgiveness, and then we're truly united and we truly present that unified front of peace and love. Our lives become a living sermon of being unified in Christ. So brothers and sisters in Christ, in verse 30, Jesus in the presence of his disciples did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus used the individual apostles and the individual evangelists to write the word of God. Not every apostle wrote a book of the New Testament. He used their individual gifts to record the word. But he used all of them to spread the word. And a major job of the apostles when, a, when one of the uh, books of the New Testament was written was to say, yes, this is in conformity with the word of God. So isn't it interesting that uh, John, who is the last of the apostles alive, uh, writes the gospel of John, his three epistles and revelation, because he's the only apostle left to, 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 to say this is the inspired word of God. And it's a blessing for you and I, the body of Christ, the whole community. Yes, salvation in Christ is highly individual and highly communal. Highly individual is seen in Thomas and seen in your own predestination in life. Highly communal is seen in the disciples and in you and I at Lord of Lords Evangelical Lutheran Church as we live in the word of God, united by that word. Amen. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess.